listening to the Island Christian Church of Holbrook podcast. This message is part of the series called Jesus Says. Today's message, given on August 27, 2017, is titled, Your Faith Has Made You Well. Would you turn in your Bibles to Luke 17? I'm going to read the passage first, and then we're going to go through it and unpack and see what God has for us. So we're going to read in Luke 17... And we're going to start in verse 11 of Luke 17. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. They were healed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Or you might have a little footnote there. And the footnote says, or your faith has saved you. May God bless this reading of his scripture. Well, this week, as I was preparing for what to share this morning, um, I want to share with you some medical condition that I have been going through. Um, The last two Sundays, uh, something's up with my eyesight. You know, I, uh, I, I, two Sundays ago, two weeks ago, I woke up in the morning and I just, normally I print out my notes and I just could not read it at all. Now, some of you say, well, yeah, that's just old age. You know, your arm gets longer as you get older because you can't see. But it wasn't that. You know, whether I had the glasses on or off, I really couldn't see any different. And, and this has happened before. And the first time it happened a couple years ago, I really freaked out because I'm like, oh, I'm going blind. And uh, so I went to an ophthalmologist and uh, he gave me an exam and he looked me over and then he sent me immediately out to get a CAT scan to see if there was something going on because, you know, changing vision like that that rapidly changes and goes bad could be indicating a stroke. And uh, thankfully that was not the case and, you know, it got better. And then finally he said, well, it's better. I can't fix you. So just if it happens again, come back. And then it happened again a couple years later and, uh, you know, then... There was, and then it got better again, and then I was really fine. And then it two weeks ago was when it really happened. And actually, we had been on vacation, and while we were on vacation, when I wear my contact lenses, I was noticing that in my left eye, I was getting double vision, but just in the left eye, but not in the right eye. The right eye I was seeing fine. And so it seemed that when I had my contacts in, I could see okay, and you know I could see fine actually out of the right eye, and I'm right-eye dominant, so I was actually able to see okay as long as the right eye was working. And then, uh, but somehow with the glasses, that wasn't the case. And so um, 
you know, I, I figured, well, I'll make an, an appointment with the ophthalmologist when I get back about the double vision. But then after two weeks ago, Sunday, when I couldn't see, I got to get an appointment right away. So I went in and I saw him. And, uh, you know, same thing. They're like, optically, they said everything appeared to be okay. Um, maybe you want to go get a consult from a neuro-ophthalmologist. Maybe there's something behind just the eyes, you know, I guess, uh, you know, medical people, what is it? The eyes speak through the nerves to the brain and the brain, pro is, it, is that nerve. optic nerve and all that? Okay, right, right. So maybe they thought there was something with that. So I, uh, I thankfully was able to real quickly uh, this week, Wednesday, I, I got an appointment in Manhattan at the Manhattan Eye, Ear, Nose, Throat Hospital, Meath, uh, you know, the ophthalmology department there, and I met with a neuro-ophthalmologist, and thankfully she says, well, I don't see anything neurologically wrong, and that was really good news. I was really happy to see that, but I said, okay, but here, like, I can see you just a little bit better here than there, so what's wrong? I should be able to see you got really well with that, and so she, she said, well, you know, I'll tell you what, if you'd like, I could have you see one of our opticians and, uh, you know, in fact, uh, have him do a scan of your corneas, you know, to see. So actually, it's really cool. They have this procedure where they actually take a look on a machine at your corneas and they map it out like a topographic map, you know, topography, the hills and valleys, you know, the mountains and everything. And uh, they actually said, yeah, your, your corneas... Uh, there's some deformities in it, and that could explain what's going on here. You know, it's sort of like, have you ever been in an old building that doesn't have new modern windows, and the windows are the wavy glass? Maybe some of you have been at our Port Jefferson campus. You look through a window that's wavy, you really can't see clearly. And they said that not only that, but also there's some accommodation between, you know, the eyes and the brain where there's compensating. And so that's why stuff is going in and out of focus. And one day I'll be seeing fine and then the next day not. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm glad this isn't neurological, but what do we do? And uh, so this optician came in and he spent a great time and he I really loved it because you could tell when somebody is really trying to figure something out. And I actually said, I said, so uh, I, I guess this is a little bit of a, uh, you know, this is not a normal thing. He goes, this is a great puzzle for a Wednesday afternoon, you know. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm a puzzle, all right, I get that. So I started, you know, I struck up a conversation with him and I said, you know, I, I used to be an engineer and so I really appreciate it. I see the troubleshooting that you're going through and the diagnostic procedure and trying to figure stuff out and, uh, you know, th that's good. And then he looked at my medical form and he said, oh, I see you work at Island Christian Church. What do you do there? I said, I'm a pastor. He says, oh, well, then we have to get your vision right so that you can proclaim God's word. I go, are you a believer? He says, yes, I am. <laughs> so I said, people have been praying that God would send me to someone that would be able to figure out what is wrong with my eyesight, and you might be just the one that God has in mind. And he just loved that, and we had a great connection there. And so he, he said, well, he goes, listen, let me look over the data from the tests and let me consult with some of my colleagues and I'll get back to you. And uh, 
You know, I said, oh, thank you very much, doctor. He says, call me Chris. I said, okay, Chris. You know? <laughs> and so, um, and so uh, I was hoping to hear from him. And then Friday afternoon, I actually got his call. And um, he said, he goes, well, I have a theory. And the theory is that perhaps your contact lenses are malforming your cornea. Now, when you have the contacts in, the cornea squishes to it, and you can see very well because it's right there. But then that does something so that when you wear the glasses, then the prescription does not work because, as we've seen, your prescription is should work with glasses. So um, what he did was he suggested that I don't wear my contacts for two weeks and come back in and get rechecked. So... Um, I'm not wearing my contacts. Um, I'm seeing okay, you know, out of my right eye. You know, I still see two Marie's there out of my left eye. You know. Oh, we're not touching that one. <laughs> but anyway, listen, it got me thinking of the connection between medical issues. And, you know, I know many of us have had or still have Medical issues, you know, as we get older, I, they just seem to get worse, I guess. That's just, you know, Jim always says, yeah, these bodies, they're designed to wear out, you know, and he can't wait to get his new one, you know. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Although you kind of have a new one right now, you know, yeah. you're working on it. <laughs> it's fading. It's fading, okay. All right. But anyway, listen, this scripture, your faith has made you well. As I was in the city, I was meditating on this scripture as I was on the train, as I was, you know, preparing this, and I just felt led that this is a scripture that we should look at because it really indicates what are we fixated upon, okay? If we or someone we love has a medical condition, oftentimes that is the foremost thing in our mind, as it should be. You know, there's nothing wrong with wondering, like, what is, I mean, with me, I'm like, gee, you know, oh, and, and by the way, guys, don't ever go on the internet to look to see, you know, how to treat a medical condition. You know, I, here I am, <clears throat> you know, I really was in, enjoying those, uh, uh, the topographic scan of my corneas, and I'm like, that's so cool, I want to learn more about it, because, you know, if, if there's a peak or a valley, it shows up red, it should be green, indicating that everything is smooth, and then yellow is slightly out of whack, and red is da-da-da, and I mean, you know, one of mine lit up like a Christmas tree, the left eye, and the right eye had a couple of hot spots on it, so I'm like, what does that really mean? And of course, I start looking, and, you know, I, I find this diagnosis, and uh, it says, oh, the, the cure for this is corneal transplants. I'm like, no, I hope I don't need that, you know. So listen, you know, some of you know who have looked on the internet, you know, Anne had a condition at one point, and Anne, what did they say it could, could be? Uh, cancer or MS. Cancer or MS, and what was it? Arthritis. So there you go. So don't ever look on the internet to get medical advice. Go to a good practitioner and also talk to the great physician too. So that, that's what we should do. But listen, when we have a medical condition, we start to wonder. Or if someone we love does, we wonder, how is this going to end? And according to this passage that we read today in Scripture, and according to Jesus, well, that is important. But there's even something bigger than that. And I'm going to tell you right up front what we're going to focus on. This is what I want you to take away. Faith that makes us well is directed towards 
Jesus, not ourselves. Faith that makes us well is directed towards Jesus. Now, let's go back to the passage, and then I want to elaborate on a lot of the little nuances that are in the Scripture. So let, let's, let's read it again, and this time I'm going to stop and talk about things, okay? So, uh, on the way to Jerusalem, he, Jesus, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance. Now, you know, leper, lepers or leprosy <coughs> is something that we don't hear much about today. But it was a terrible, debilitating disease in those times. And in fact, the term lepra in Greek that's translated here, <coughs> excuse me, actually included a variety of serious skin diseases. It was not limited just to what is called leprosy, which today actually we know it as Hansen's disease. Okay, so this term could be a little more broad, but we know it's speaking about the bad kind because it says the ten lepers, they stood at a distance. You see, the leprosy of the kind of the worst kind was very contagious. Okay, and God has a history of trying to protect his people. And so there was actually a prescription given that if you had leprosy, you were supposed to live outside the camp. You know, you were not to have interaction with other people because God did not want people, the disease to spread from one to another. And so we know that these 10 had the real thing, the real leprosy, because they, they were standing at a distance there. Okay, um, and, and leprosy, was this kind was caused by a bacteria that affected the nervous system. So while someone would look at a leper and they would see these sores and maybe there were missing digits or, you know, chunks of skin and stuff, people thought it was a skin disease. Actually, it was a nervous disease, and this bacteria attacked the nerves, so they lost the sensation of touch and of pain. So somebody who would normally, you know, try to open a door that was stuck, we go, and if this door is stuck and sharp, I would go to turn the knob, and I would be like, ow, that hurts. But if I've lost the sensation of touch and pain, I might turn this thing, and this is a true story, this has happened, a leper would actually try to open a door or a rusty gate, and they would actually do it, but they wouldn't feel any pain, and so they would actually rip the flesh off their hand. Think about that. You know, pain for many of us, it's like, oh, I wish I didn't have pain. And yeah, we, we don't want pain, but pain can be a good thing because pain protects us, you know, from doing things beyond what we should be doing. And leprosy, this kind, this Hansen's disease, actually eliminates that feedback loop so people don't know what their limits are and they go on. You know, or, or another case, someone would just go and reach in, something would fall into a fire in a tribal village, and they would just reach in amongst the hot coals and grab the hot thing, and then, of course, they would end up with severe burns on their hands, and then the skin would fall off. And so, you know, we, we think of pain in one way, but pain can be a good thing, too. But in any case, these lepers were outsiders. They were shunned from the community. They're standing at a distance, and they come to Jesus, and they, you know, 
and they lifted up their voice, verse 13, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Okay, now, another thing that leprosy would affect, leprosy oftentimes would affect the, vo- the vocal cords. And so people with leprosy oftentimes did not have clear voices. Their voice could be raspy, or they, they might have a soft voice or something. And so they saw Jesus, and they saw him as the only hope for fixing what was wrong with them. So as best as they could, they didn't come running over because they knew they weren't supposed to, but they called out and they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, it's interesting. Most people didn't call Jesus Master except those who were already following him. This word here translated is only shown other than here is people who are already following him. Now, I don't know exactly if that is significant or not, but it's interesting. And so look at Jesus' response in verse 14. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourself to the priests. Jesus didn't go up and pray and lay hands on them. He didn't anoint them with oil. He didn't call a prayer meeting or anything. It looked like he really didn't do anything. Why did he say, go and show yourself to the priests? Well, in those days, the priests were acting essentially as the health officials of their day. Remember I said this bacteria that caused leprosy was very highly contagious. And so God actually prescribed a procedure, and you can read about it if you want to in Leviticus 13 and 14, of if somebody had leprosy and then they were cured of it, or at least if the symptoms went away, there was a whole procedure prescribed to go to the priest, and there was this whole thing where you had to be checked for, you know, a number of days, and then if this happened, then you still had it, and if this didn't happen, then you didn't, and so it was essentially the priest was the department of health saying, yes, this person is cured, and he no longer needs to be shunned and be an outcast from the community, but he's, it's safe for him to come back into the community because he's no longer contagious, and so then he can resume living, although with whatever you know, uh, infirmities he's had as a result of the leprosy. So that, that's what was happening. And so uh, the bacteria was contagious, and there was a prescribed way to see that it was okay. So that's verse 14. Go and show yourself to the priest. And look at what happened. And as they went, they were cleansed. You see, they weren't cleansed when Jesus said, go to the priest. They actually received their cleansing, their healing, while they were going to the priest. Now, stop for a minute. If you came to me and you asked me to pray for something, And I said, well, go over here. Would you be maybe a little taken aback? I know I sure would be. I'd be like, oh, that person ignored me. But yet Jesus declared to them that their healing was going to happen through their obedience. And by saying, go to the priests, he's basically saying, okay, I've cured you. You have to go get checked. But there was no evidence that they had been healed when Jesus interacted with him. And I have found, and maybe you have found as well, oftentimes faith requires us to act in certain ways that does not necessarily correspond with the circumstances and the situation of our current lives. 
You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. So we have to act in a certain way in order for God to do what he is going to do, and it's a cooperation. You know, God is the one who's in the miracle business, but faith is necessary because faith is showing that we agree with and we are trusting in and we are following God and Jesus to to participate in what he is going to do there, okay? And so, um, you know, and as they went, they were cleansed. Hallelujah. That's awesome. Okay, verse 15. Then one of them, notice one, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Okay? There are two keys here to what Jesus did in the life of this one person. Okay? The first key is it has to do, and actually they both have to do with what our response to God should be. This is what his response to God was, and this is what our response to God should be. The first key is thanks. Okay? He just you know, he just fell on his feet and gave him thanks. He, and he praised God with a loud voice and then praised with a loud voice. So these are the keys, okay? Now, notice it's only one returned. Look at Jesus. Oh, one, one more thing before we get to that. Now, notice it says, there's an aside at the end of verse 16. It says, now he was a Samaritan, okay? Who were Samaritans? Samaritans were people in a neighboring area that Jews had no dealings with. In fact, the Jews and the Samaritans actually hated each other. You know, I don't know if it's like sort of the racial tension that's going on right now or not. I wasn't, you know, there in either place. But, you know, when there is a group of people and another group of people and they hate each other, that's just terrible. And that's what happened. You see, the hatred came from this. The Samaritans you know, were Jews, but they had intermarried with Gentiles. And the Jews felt that they had polluted their race and their religion. Now, the Samaritans kind of adopted this strange hybrid religion of Judaism and some other stuff, and they carried it on at Mount Gerizim, and the Jews really despised that because to a good Jew, where was the worship of God supposed to be? in the temple in Jerusalem. And there these people are going off saying, well, you know, it's okay, we do ours here. And quite frankly, no Jew would ever expect that God would heal a Samaritan. Isn't it interesting, though? Who was one of the first people that Jesus revealed his divinity to? The Samaritan woman in John 4. And so Jesus is about going to the outsiders, going to the marginalized. This guy had two strikes against him. The first strike was he was a leper. He was already shunned because of his disease, and he was an outcast. And the second strike against him was because he was a Samaritan, and the Jews just hated that. So this guy was one of the mar- probably one of the most marginalized people in that society at that point. And yet Jesus is, did an amazing work. The other thing, too, that was interesting about it is the Jewish people at that day felt that disease and illness 
was a sign of God's displeasure with someone, okay? And in fact, leprosy was considered an extreme case of that, okay? And so here it is, Jesus is healing a Samaritan and a leper. Pretty amazing, isn't that? I find that amazing. So let's continue to read on. Look at Jesus' question. Remember I said only one returned? Look at Jesus' question to the one guy that returned. Jesus didn't say, wow, I'm so glad that you're here. You know, he, look at what he says. He goes, Jesus said in verse 17, were not 10 cleansed? Where are the nine? Isn't that interesting? Jesus is asking this one guy who kind of is doing the right thing, but he, Jesus is concerned about the others. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Sort of like what we talked about last week in Search and Rescue. Remember? Guy left the 99 to find the one that wandered off. And Jesus is still concerned about these other people because to heal someone physically... That's amazing. That's a miracle. And that's important. And some of you who maybe are suffering from something would love to be healed. But Jesus is more concerned about the deeper issue, which is the fact that there are sinful people. We are all sinful people. And physical healing is nice, but physical healing only gets us through to the end of our life. What Jesus really is about is not just physical healing, but that and spiritual healing, the cleansing for the penalty of sin. The wages of sin is death. And at some point, all of us are going to face death, and we're going to get asked a question at the end of our life, what did you do with my son Jesus? And either did you trust in him for the forgiveness of your sins and salvation, Or did you try to trust in something else or less than Jesus? And as we know, nothing else other than Jesus can work. And so that's why I think Jesus turned in verse 19 and said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Or your faith has saved you. You see that? Do you see that? Physical healing is awesome. It's amazing. But even more important is the fact that this gentleman's faith, this leper, this hated Samaritan, his faith made him well and saved him. And so this was not just a physical healing because the nine had the physical healing, but this one had a spiritual healing of his soul. And that is what would carry him beyond death into life everlasting in heaven. You see, faith that makes us well is directed towards Jesus, not towards us. Okay? The nine, they got their healing, but they did not have faith that was directed towards Jesus. They probably were like, Wow, we can join the community. We can go and play, you know, rock bowling at the quarry. Oh, no, that's the Flintstones. Sorry, I'm mixing up my metaphors here, okay? But they probably were just like, wow. And, and you know, quite frankly, 
we probably all know people who at one time or another perhaps received a touch from God. But then what they did was they just turned it inward and they just continued on with life as they, now maybe it could happen like those nine did. But the one who was truly made well, the one who was truly healed, he turned and directed his faith towards Jesus. And he came down and he thanked Jesus and he praised him in a loud voice and threw himself at his feet. So I have to ask this. Where do you fit in this story? Where are you in the story? Have you been cleansed? Have you been saved? Do you have the faith that allows you to go even before God acts? Could you be so focused on a physical healing where maybe God has something bigger for you? Maybe you have been saved from sin. Maybe you haven't yet trusted in Jesus. And if you haven't, I'm so glad that you're here today. Because today could be your day when you finally trust in Jesus and you return to him. Are you like the one who returned? Or are you more like the nine who got the benefit, but then that was it? Are you regularly thanking and praising Jesus? Or maybe is it just one time and then you go on your way? You see, faith that makes us well is directed towards Jesus. So we got to ask the question, where is your faith directed? Is your faith directed on Jesus or is your faith directed on something less? And, you know, some people say, in fact, earlier in the chapter, it was interesting. We're not going to read it now, but you could go back and read it in the beginning of uh, chapter 17 of Luke. The disciples said, Lord, increase our faith. Because they had a feeling that there was something deficient about their faith. And you know what? Even a very small amount of faith, if it is genuine trust in God, can lead to incredible results. It's not so much the amount of faith that you have, but is your faith present? Is it there? And where or to whom is it directed? You know, people just say, oh, I got to have faith. Well, having faith in faith doesn't do you any good. Faith has to be in an object, in something. And this man who was healed and returned, he demonstrated that he had faith in God, faith in Jesus. So I'd like you to consider doing this. If your faith has not been present or if your faith is misdirected, could I encourage you to redirect your faith on Jesus today? Could you do that? Here's how you could start. In just a little while, we're going to have a time of worship. And one of the things about worship, worship is more than just singing songs, but singing is a wonderful thing 
because it gives us a chance to express, maybe with words that we haven't even thought of ourselves, but some songwriter gave us, and we get to express them back to God. So today, would you thank him and worship and praise him? And notice it said, with a soft voice. Is that what it said? No, with a loud voice. Just imagine this. This leper who had this raspy voice, all of a sudden he got healed of his leprosy. I would love to hear what he sounded like after that. I mean, what a set of pipes he must have had from being able to talk like this to praise you, Jesus. I I don't know what he said. I don't know what he sounded, but I sure would love to imagine that. You know, we sang, I will not be silent No, I will not be silent anymore. So we have an opportunity to thank him and worship and praise him with a loud voice. And who knows? Maybe that's just what you need in order for your faith to even make you well. So we need to become more a people of the right kind of faith, the kind that makes people well, and the kind that saves people from sin.